And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Jerry, Micah uh, was uh, fantastic uh, again. Uh, just third start in the NFL, and all of a sudden he's moving positions already. <laughs> what, what What is the plan for him moving forward? At, at what spot? Because, I mean, he is d- doing great work at the defensive end spot. Well, can you imagine uh, when he's had the reps, he's had the experiences, uh, you know, it's like a young a child, you you just are soaking it up. Everything is soaking up and going in your memory bank. And of course, he's doing that, and he's like a sponge. And he just really picks it up, and then has those gifts can take it to uh, action. Can can uh, I call it hand eye? But it's not that. It's hand feet. It's hand legs. Hand everything. Uh, eye legs or whatever. But the point is that. He's a uh, uh, outstanding uh, person. Uh, he's as he's as pure as mother's milk. He just basically steps out there and gives you everything he's got. And nature gave him some skills, and boy, does he know how to use them. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. All right, week. Three is over. On to week four, Cowboys fans. We got the Carolina Panthers at noon. Coming up, a rarity for the Dallas Cowboys. Welcome into About Them Cowboys. Kent here, producing, running things for the Athletic Podcast Network, and reminding you that this episode is presented by Visa, a network working for everyone. Well, we got some fallout to discuss from Monday night with. One of the favorites. He's from the Athletic Football Show. You should follow him on Twitter at Nate underscore Tice. He's my football buddy. He's my movie buddy. He's Nate Tice. Welcome back, Nate. Thanks for having me. I know. I, I guess you become a fan favorite when you just spend a half hour gushing about your quarterback for <laughs> saying how amazing he is and how much I love him. So I guess I guess that's easy to make a fan favorite. And, and I, I think I've told you this before in wrestling. That's called a cheap pop. It's just like, <laughs> hey, no place better to do this in Dallas. Yeah, we bring cheers. Stone Cold out. You just bring Stone Cold out when you're in in Dallas only. Yeah, it's throw an easy, a beer, easy pop. Yeah, exactly. It's easy. It's yeah, easy. no. Yeah, fans seem to really enjoy uh, you know you saying that he's slightly under Patrick Mahomes, and uh, we didn't see uh, we haven't seen anything kind of quite different from what you said. So it's going to be great to get you get an update from you. But first, it's time to welcome in our panel from sports and such in the uh, the Eagle. It's Kevin KT Turner and, of course, from The Athletic, Father John Mishota. Welcome in, boys. Welcome in, KT. Let's, uh, let's kick this thing off. Well, uh, this is awesome, Nate. Thanks for joining us. Um, Cowboys are 2-1 and one and feeling really good about their odds in the NFC East. Would you say that you feel really good about their odds in the NFC East, Nate? I would, uh, just for some of what they're doing and some of what the other three teams are doing uh, in this 2021 season so far. Uh, but, yeah. 
I, I was optimistic about them uh, in the summer and nothing's really dissuaded me. But, uh, you know, of course, it's not all perfect, but it's, you know, that's just kind of what I expected. A lot of talent and a lot of mistakes. <laughs> but that's kind of, I think, the Cowboys season that's going to happen this year. But it's, it's a lot of fun. John, anything going on at the start of day after after last night's game and all that stuff? Oh, we had a little coordinator fun. And then, uh, of oh, course, yeah. uh, your favorite head coach took several questions about not calling a timeout at the end of what the What did he say? What did he half. say? Uh, yeah, you know, this. a lot of pretty similar to what he said uh, last night, uh, just at a little bit uh, greater length. He was a little bit shorter last night. It was actually the last question he took, and he gave uh, like a two-sentence answer about it. It's basically just... He felt like the defense was playing so well that he didn't. The last thing he wanted to do was put them in a bad position uh, if they were to turn the ball over, and which I don't know how that would have happened with just how bad the Eagles team was. But uh, he was just playing the hey, let's go into the locker room twenty to seven. Let's not. I mean, where everything's going well here, let's not try and push it. Uh, and then my argument is just like. Uh, for half the league, I'd understand that. But when you have this loaded offense and uh, as great as Dak's been, um, you know, Kellen Moore's got the hot hand right now. Like, I don't know why he wouldn't want to continue to take advantage of that and maybe uh, just end the game at halftime. But uh, that's that was his explanation on it. And uh, so we move on. But uh, it's easier to talk about these games when it's a 41-21 win. I think Amongst the fan base and just the people that I've heard from in the last 24 hours, it's the uh, it's the idea of, like, when does this come back and bite you? So, I mean, you take the wins, you're happy about it. They're headed in a, in a good direction. So you kind of put this one in, in your back pocket and hope that uh, there aren't issues like this that will cost you a game in the future. Okay, but before – look, we're not going to harp on this thing, right? We will be very positive in the, in the show, but let's just not – let's just let's rip off the Band-Aid. Nate, I would imagine – Poor clock management is something that annoys you more than maybe anything else in football. Uh, so, I mean, how yeah. do you even? How do you, you saw what happened? I mean, how do we? How do we even? How do we even go forward here? Yeah, I've I've always been a guy that's just pedal to the metal, especially when you trust your offense, which I think you should trust this offense, even if that first play uh, backed up. You know, like the or I should say the second series the backed up stuff and the fumble stuff. That's just such a fluky play. It's like, you can't have that. Like you got to remember everything else that's happened before with that. And like, I've been a, a part of a couple of really good offenses. Like I know in college, uh, especially the Russell Wilson year, we were just torching everybody. And Brett Bielma turned into this like aggressive monster. All of a sudden we're going for it on fourth down. And we were like, anytime there's like a minute, two minutes left and a half, he's banging timeouts. Even our defense was, eh. Um, but it was just like, he was like, I got this quarterback that can operate at two minutes. So it's just, you know, pedal to the metal. And I would be okay and say like, oh yeah, he's going to learn from this. And I, I think he will. I mean, I hope, but this is the same guy that like had a Jordy Nelson grab the challenge flag from him, you know, like after he like almost got penalized when he was with the Packers against the Lions. Um, so it's like, I've seen this story before and it's just kind of, you know, he's made these. Oh my gosh. Before. That really happened. I yeah, grabbed it. I gotta see the video. <laughs> took oh, it away yeah. from him. <laughs> yeah, so like he he like threw. I think what happened was he threw it, and then Jordy picked it up as he's trotting off the field, going like, "Hey, <laughs> so the hey, ref hey. couldn't see it." Yeah. Wow. Because so they won't get flagged for a timeout. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So <laughs> that crazy. happened. That has happened, and uh, so that's the thing is like I hope he learned from it, but like that is in his past, so he has priors. Yeah, that's kind of. Oh man, see, I'm torn about it. When you beat the Eagles, a division rival by 20, I'm not. I don't want to. It's not the headline from from 
Monday night. So I don't, I'm not, but what drives me insane is the lack of consistency and the lack of what feels like an overall philosophy when it comes to those things. Where on times it's over aggressive and at times it's way too conservative. And it's just what are like next week it'll be the complete it'll be something completely different. And it just it turns into driving you nuts after a while. It's like when are you gonna learn? And when you aren't the guy who's calling the plays and you feel like you've got a special teams coach who's allowed to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. <laughs> it just makes you go, what is happening and why and how did this even – but let's let's talk about Kellen because uh, Kellen, again, that's three straight weeks of a great game plan of keeping a team off balance and all that. I mean, you kind of think you knew what to, what to, what to expect with Tampa Bay. It felt like you were going to have to come out and throw it. We all kind of knew that. But really, back-to-back game plans again in week two and three. Uh, what have you seen from him so far in the Cowboys offense? And I'm just going to let you have the floor to tell us yeah. what you the, uh The mix of personnel groupings has been really cool. Um, I mean, it helps to have good players that can do that. You know, when you have two legit tight ends and, you know, even with Gallup out, you have Wilson playing well and the, the two backs. They, he's been doing a great job of mixing that all up depending on the game plan. Like I've seen like zero personnel, which is five wides, or it might have been 01 with one tight end and four wides when he had CD in the backfield against the Chargers. So he's doing that kind of stuff. And then on the next play, he'll be like in 12 personnel. Like in this week, he which is two tight ends. And then this week, he had in jumbo personnel with an extra offensive lineman, and he put him in the backfield as a fullback. So it's like these kind of just little tweaks he's doing. So he's creative. And he doesn't run anything crazy as far as concept-wise. It's just really sound concepts. It's just good, like, staple NFL concepts, like slants, four verts, and a crosser, uh, stick, which you've uh, if you listen to our podcast, I'll talk about a million times the Shanahan offense runs. I mean, it's, it's just a quick little – have you ever seen it? One of the tight ends on a quick little out. That's stick. Um, they run a hundred times. You know, you're ISOing the X. Having these receivers moving in and out, like that's really nice. Like he's getting Amari Cooper as a blocker now, which is like, I mean, all the receivers are blocking really well for him, and they kind of like know where they're going. Um, which is that means I think everyone's taking ownership in this offense. So that means that speaks to what Kellen and the coaches are doing. And like I, I loved in the first week, it was like they everyone was like, oh, they're hiding Dak's arm. And I, I was really frustrated by that because like, as the game's going on, he's whipping digs in there. And I'm just like, what are you guys talking about? It was, everyone thought those short dinky throws were to hide his arm, quote unquote. It was because they can't run the ball with Zach Martin out. And the other team's got this guy named Vita Vea that's literally unblockable one-on-one. So what they did to replace the run game was just side to side. Okay, great. And then I was like, all right, I wonder if this offense is going to be that kind of dinky dunky as their run game, or is that just the matchup stuff? What do they do week two? They pound the rock against the Chargers and they just up and down, the, up and down the field, up and down the field. And it was just like the Chargers game was more of like a, it was almost like a co- complete game win. Like I could tell Kellen didn't really lose himself going like, we need to chase these points. It's like, hey, I understand what the game flow is. And they just, I mean, those first two drives they had in that game were brilliant. And and then this past week was just I mean or yesterday last night oh my god uh, last night was was awesome too it felt like five days ago it was last night uh, but like even last night like they're doing empty like and then the next stuff is but the empty stuff and it's not it, it might not have a ton of motion like he'll do jet sweep stuff but it's like a greatest hits offense where it's like he runs these staple concepts but then he just dresses up real well with the formations and personnel, which is, it's almost like the saints have done up for years for with breeze um, where they just kind of mix and match these personnel groups and formations. And they just run the same kind of concepts over and over. It's really good. Like it's really fun. And when you got a quarterback like Dak Prescott, who's just a machine right now, I mean, he honestly is just, 
he's they do these quick game stuff and this is stuff that usually it's like oh you teach the rookie quarterback this so that he gets the ball out quick Dak is like reading these out like one to two to three to four like all within a hitch and it's so it's like you're seeing these concepts run like it's like the idealized version of it. It's and I, I made the joke on our podcast, like uh, it, it's Dakota Breeze. You know, it's like you know he's this. That's kind of what he's operating. He has more arm strength than Drew did the last few years, but that's how he's operating mentally. And it's it's really cool. I mean, I, I love this type of offense. It's not trick him. It's not tricky stuff. This run game is right at you. They're doing duo. They're doing counter. They're doing zone. They just kind of run good concepts and they dress them up. And it's it's the best type of offense because they have really good players, which helps too. Yeah, he made a point of mentioning that today when he was asked specifically about, you know, how much is it play calling? How much is it, you know, the playmakers that you have? And of course, you know, he gave all the credit to the playmakers that he has and said, oh, you know, yeah, when you have Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb, you know, this stuff's fun. It's really not that difficult or whatever. But I do find it interesting that, you know, and, and hey, the Eagles could end up being like a four win team and, and who cares about this game? But it just it seems different around here because. In previous years, it seems like they would play decent, maybe win the game, but there'd be all this talk of, well, they didn't have Lyle Collins, and when he gets back, or they didn't have Michael Gallup, and when he gets back, and it was like, well, they didn't have those guys, and it was on to the next person, and the offense just kept going. And so I think I think that was like one of the big positives there, and, and certainly just how comfortable Dax looked, even after taking some hits and, and things like that. Another thing I, that I liked is that he didn't, he didn't try and push it in the running game too much. Like when he got outside the pocket, he got down, lost some yards, but it was like, who cares? Like who cares if you get three yards or five yards or two, or two? like just as long as he stays healthy, that's what's the important thing. Um, so the only, I would say the only play that really stood out to me from that game where it left you scratching your head was the one where Dak went to go turn around to hand off and Zeke wasn't there. I just, <laughs> he got excited. Was, yeah. He, yeah, uh, yeah. It was, he was, I think we all figured it out. He was supposed to shift Zeke back. And then it was like, I think he just got excited. Like he was like, this is exactly what we want. Cause it was like, they, they like had a condensed split with the receivers. And so I think it would just been like an outside zone, like run where Zeke would have bounced it for a touchdown. So I think that's a, he got the exact look he wanted. So he's like, Oh, like snap, snap, snap. Like, and it's just, <laughs> it just, it happens. Like it's one, yeah. I think he just got it. Yeah. Gung ho. But I know Peyton crushed him for it. It was hilarious. Not crushed him, but Peyton laughed. Peyton Manning laughed his ass off about that. He was just like, I haven't seen that one in a while. It was, that's, it was, it happens the, the, though. The, the Peyton stuff's amazing just because watching him get mad at a quarterback or oh, or, or really if a game's getting out of control, but you're watching the quarterback. Like, do you've, you've experience the same thing when you're kind of watching oh, games yeah. live? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can. I But also it was funny watching him try to be very positive about Jalen Hurts without crushing him. Uh, and, yeah. like, just kind of like just – I know, but that's the hard part. It's like you don't ever want to damn a guy because it could be just a situation to put it in. But, it, oh, I'll watch these guys. I – the ones that usually get me is when they miss a protection or something like that. And that's just kind of just what you get to like in those points where, or just like sloppiness when guys are too close together. Like that's, and that's even the thing is like as positive I've been about like this, this Cowboys offense and stuff, they'll just have stuff like that crop up every once in a while where like two receivers are near each other. They're like, their spacing's bad, but it is getting better. But like that stuff always will like go like, ah, da, da. like I'll just make a noise kind of thing. Like just frustrated. Like, Oh no, it's just those little, Little misses, like mental mistakes, that always are more frustrating than anything. Or usually, miss miss pressures and, and protection is the one that gets me, either by the offensive line or quarterback. That's that's usually the one. 
That's funny, though, you say about the uh, Peyton with the Jalen Hurts thing, because the one play that stood out to me was on the Diggs interception. Like, if you're a former NFL player, most people are going to be like, man, what a play. Peyton drops his head in, like, such disgust. Like, I can't believe that you threw that. And then, you you know, we go to the post-game press conference, and Trayvon is talking about it. He's like, yeah, I kind of knew a little bit of that just because he had played with Hurts. He had played with Devontae yep. Smith, you know, so he kind of knew what was coming there. And so I, like, jump in. I'm like, yeah, but they've played with you too. Shouldn't they know that like you can jump that route? And he's like, yeah, no, that's why it's fair. We're going both ways. But I'm just kind of yeah. like that. That shouldn't be an excuse. Like they should know exactly what you're capable oh, yeah. of. Like it kind of went back to um, how when was it in the Chargers game? I, I, what was it like? Maybe the first or second series when Trayvon Diggs picked off Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. Like I immediately yeah. tweeted, I'm like, do you not know this Cowboys defense? Challenge anybody else. Like, yeah. don't challenge him. There's so many other guys worth challenging on this defense that I kind of like, if you're if you're Jalen Hurts, like, you know Trayvon Diggs. Like, you should know, don't, like, try any of these other guys and you'll be fine. That was kind of eye-opening to me, but the way Peyton dropped his head, I was like, oh, that's a real, like, quarterback responding to, like, oh, my God, why did you do that? <laughs> and he tried, he tried to. He was like, oh, the receiver fell, and then they realized, like, he hung it inside. And that that's because yeah. that's what I saw, too. And I, I'm a Devontae Smith fan, so maybe I'll, I'll defend him. But it's, uh, I, I saw the, I, the ball got hung inside, and that's what's so frustrating. You're just like, he just missed. Like, that. sometimes you just miss. Peyton doesn't know it that well that, about missing. But it's <laughs> sometimes us, us other mortals, you know, we're used to missing. But that's that's exactly what it is. It's like that those little missed opportunities can be frustrating. And that's so funny. You said it's like, that is fair. Like knowing, Hey, we all played each other. Don't challenge everybody or challenge anybody else because NFL, my, my dad was his big line always. I don't know if he most likely stole it for, it's not like it's my evolutionary phrase, but he's like, NFL is all about matchups and it's just, that's what it is. Like the, it's a league of parody. So we're find our strength and find their weakness and then exploit it as many times as you can. People will praise, you know, Sean Payton's and the Kyle Shanahan's of the world because they'll just do that. They spam the same play or spam variations of the same play because they're willing to do it. Because they go, that linebacker is my, you know, that's the guy. That's my guy. I'm going after. Like that's my sucker. Boom. Bah, here's all these plays. Here's windback. Here's like toss. Here's screens. You know, just messing with them. And that's what the good offenses and defenses do. They just find those. They find their fish. And they're like, okay, how how are we getting them? You know, how are we getting after? It's that scene of Waterboy when the guy's about to kick the onside kick. You know, it's just, uh, yeah. I'm not going to say the line, but it's just like, that's exactly what it is. He's, you find the guy that's shaking and nervous and then exploit it over and over and over. Cause too many coaches get stuck up going like everything is the same on X's and O's, not realizing that some of those guys do have Madden ratings that are in the nineties as opposed to the seventies, you know? So Nate, you getting a little bit bigger picture of the entire NFL than, than a lot of us do. So Kind of just give us how bad is Jalen Hurts? Like, where would you put him at? Do you th- do you think he's still their quarterback next year at this time? Was that just a a really bad game for him? Just like for Cowboys fans listening to this, like, what do you what do you think of Jalen Hurts and and his future there as their quarterback? That's kind of what he is in a nutshell. What you saw last night, um, you like him for his ability to create, but his ability to see over the middle is not very good uh it's below average uh for what you want from a quarterback and that's what he showed all last year was it was everything had to be outside so he could see it everything had to be outside outside side or anything deep had to be go balls and which is you know i'm not trying to be mean here but it is it's a high school throw i mean you guys have seen the baylor offense for the last 15 years you know 10 ish years i mean that's why they teach that it's because that's the first thing you ever throw as a kid is go balls um, I just think right now he's more of a high end backup. 
uh, and that's spot starter type where he can go in and win you a game because he can run around. He's going to find the first read. It's just coming off the first read it is he can't progress, especially over the middle. So you kind of have to really simplify your offense for him. Not that he's dumb or anything. It's just that some guys just can't. I was one of them. I can't progress post snap. And he's one of those types of guys. But he brings athleticism that can kind of win you a game. And he brings you enough toughness. And he seems like a great kid. Like people love him. Um, so it's like a, he's like a guy you want on your team, but you're always wanting better. I think that's the best way to kind of sum him up. Uh, you know, also we we got the, the you know the Panthers coming up, and we're, we're going to get more in depth on them. I, I know, I mean, the Panthers aren't like a team that you're like, oh, I got to rush out and watch all the Panthers games. But they're three and zero. They have had the Texans and the Jets, so I don't yes. know what that means. But Sam Darnold at quarterback, it feels like a step in the right direction for them. What have you seen from them so far offensively? Yeah, Darnold, they've really cleaned it up for him. They uh, actually talking like with, with Jalen Hurts a little bit, but Darnold's a little step above that. But uh, Darnold will always try and do too much. And I think they put a lot on his plate with the Jets. And not only just talent wise, they didn't have much there, but just also what they're asking to do. I think what Joe Brady's the offensive coordinator for the Panthers has done is just simplified things for him. Uh, just made everything, like I said, with Hurts is half field reads. But with Darnold, Darnold can actually go one to two. Um, and they just make him do that one to two, maybe get to three and one to two be an athlete. And it's helped him just play fast. And he's playing really, he's throwing accurate. His dropbacks are a lot quicker, like, cause he's just, his eyes are quicker. Everything's slowed down mentally. So it allowed the rest of his body to, you know, speed up. Um, that's one of the positives I, I thought like sidebars, like with the Josh Allen's improvement was that his mental side slowed down. And, or, and so everything else sped up and that's why he was able to anticipate throws. Same thing with Darnold. They just put guys in good spots. Like, um, but I think a little bit too is, you know, playing Lovey Smith's defense last week on a short week. And then the week before that, they played the Saints with eight guys or eight coaches out. And you could tell that how that affected the Saints team a lot. Uh, they had Marshawn Lattimore out and also just all those assistant coaches. And then week one, they're playing Zach Wilson on, you know, his first ever start against a Jets team that's a hodgepodge right now. So they haven't played the best teams, but He's done all you can ask. Like, you know, he still has one or two mistakes. Um, I would say he has about four, a total four or five, like kind of like bad Sam plays where he's trying to do too much or he he kind of flips out and loses the ball. Um, and that's what the Cowboys would have to do is kind of exploit that. And because so far he hasn't been punished really for that. Like he had a couple in the Saints game, but they weren't able to kind of take advantage of that in the long run. Um, and then defensively, it's like they they they're real aggressive. They got a lot of talent. I just think that they're built on the front end as opposed to the back end. The uh, Chin's a nice player, but I think the re- Cowboys receivers are two tiers above what they have corner-wise, especially with J.C. Horn out. Uh, but I do think they're, they are tough up front. And Shaq Thompson, their linebacker, is playing phenomenal football right now. And Brian Burns is one of my dark horse defensive player of the year candidates, number 53. And uh, uh, Hassan Reddick, they signed in free agency. He's played really well. And then they had a first-round pick, Derek Brown, at nose. And uh, – I mean, so they're really, as you can tell, they're really built up front, uh, but it's really, I think you're going to attack them through the air, but you can run on them a little bit. Uh, They are a lighter uh, unit. So would you say, and I don't mean to put you on the spot because I don't know how much of LSU you watched, but is, is Joe Brady for real in, in your perspective or was the LSU stuff like, well, I got Joe Burrow and I got Jamar Chase and Clyde Edwards Alaire and like, is he doing some of the similar stuff for anybody? Because I feel like maybe Cowboys fans listen to this might not be as familiar with Carolina, but I feel like anybody that watched college football is probably a little bit familiar with that just because that offense was just so prolific, you know? 
Yeah. And he took, I mean, of course, took advantage of that LSU talent, but I think I'm more impressed with him, what he did last year with Teddy Bridgewater as his QB. And the fact he changed to what Teddy's strengths are, which is, you know, he gets the ball out quick. He's good with protections. You take one or two shots with him throughout the whole game, but it has to be a perfect shot play um, uh, for Teddy. That's what impressed me more. I was like, oh, there's more to you, Joe Brady, than than just letting it rip when running, you know, RPOs with Joe Burrow and freaking Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase running go balls. Uh, and so I became a, I, I was a little more optimistic about Joe Brady's kind of like as a, as a legit NFL guy. And this year, it's the same thing. He's tweet. You got to remember, he was a Saints guy. And I think that's a better way to look at him than that. He has a couple of LSU things. He does a glance RPO that you saw. He throw to Jamar Chase all the time. They do that a little bit, but not. that's not what they lean on. They run. They When McCaffrey was healthy, I don't know if they're going to do it as much. They're running choice routes to him. Um, there's a lot of dressing up in the run game. Like they, they love the motion and stuff. What we're talking about with the Cowboys are doing, they like to do that in the run game as well. There's a lot of play action stuff, uh, a lot of, a lot of, you know, some boot stuff. Uh, but it's more of a kind of like an older saints offense when before breeze's arms kind of dwindled away than I think an LSU offense. Um, uh, so if you watch the chart, actually it's gonna be similar to what you saw with the chargers actually with Joe Lombardi, uh, was the chargers play caller. Now it's gonna be more similar to that than an LSU offense. All right, Nate, it's about time we let you go. Do we have anyone who's got a fun one to end on here? Nate, favorite movie you've seen this year that you can recommend to the uh, the audience? Favorite movie I've seen this year? You know what movie I actually really, really liked was A Quiet Place Part 2? <laughs> and I don't awesome. know if that was my favorite movie I've seen this year. Oh, okay. Older movie. Like, period, if we're not talking about just new releases, sure. it's Master and Commander of the Far Side of the World. That okay. is the best nice. movie I've seen this year, and I am so glad. I, I have a checklist of movies I haven't watched that I'm like slowly, one by one, get it off. Spirited Away is next. Never seen it. I still want to see it. Uh, but Master Commander, Far Side of the World with Russell Crowe was a, was a banger. Nice. <laughs> need, yeah, that's a good one. I heard they're doing I another one or something. Or they're do, Not with Russell Crowe, but they're trying to, trying to make that a thing again. Because yeah, it was man. a big book series, I think. My yeah. dad, that's a such a dad movie. My dad like, such a dad movie. He had like two movies oh. on DVD. It was like uh Die Hard and Master and Commander. That was it. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, yeah. and I actually really liked the Green Knight. Uh we, we talked about that. And that's yeah. a movie that kind of when I first watched it, I wasn't huge. And then it kind of like has grown on me as I've thought about it. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, okay, it I kind of actually stu- stuck with you. Stuck with yeah. me. Which is yeah. yeah, that's 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 something. D- shout out to just, uh David Lowry, the director from, yeah. uh, from Dallas. Shout out, probably oh, a Cowboys okay. fan. There so, you go. Probably. Yeah. Old Man and the Gun was good too. That was a Kent. That was a that, Kent Garrison that's recommendation. That's the one you need to watch if you watch the David Lowry movie, Old Man and the Gun. That's a uh, yes. Robert Redford, and it's got a lot of Dallas scenery in it and stuff. So check that one out. But uh, Nate, you rock, man. Thanks for doing this. <laughs> Thanks yeah, for having thank me on, guys. That we was so much fun. It. See you, boys. What a badass, Nate Tice. See you, Nate. Um, Nate's awesome. I need to do that movie thing um, because I movies is my weak spot. Movies, music, and TV. Yeah, it's my weak spot. Because I did the album thing. Yeah. The Rolling Stones top 500 album, but it took about a year. That was impressive. Right. I would wake up every day. I assume you would just wake up and, and listen to like three albums like immediately because like I would wake up and you would have like It'd be like 6.20 a.m. Kevin's like tweeting about Marvin Gaye or something. And I'm like, yeah. man, he's just knocking these out in the morning and going to knock out 500 albums in a year. This is like, this is an awesome uh, project you've got going on, man. That's so tough, man. That's so tough because, I, I mean, I just feel like you're in different moods 
and for different music and stuff like that, it would just be hard to like grade uh, everything. I mean, just so many different genres, you know. And when you're not feeling an album too, like after two songs, oh, yeah. you're like, "I'm super yeah. not my style." But for sure, oh, we got 14 songs. I'm gonna I'm gonna hammer through this thing. Still, that's awesome. That, oh, it was torture. It was yeah. it was pretty <laughs> it was awful. Torture. It was pretty awful at times. Do the uh, do the AFI want top 100 movies list? I think that's like a it's a good place yeah. to start with like a good you know from very old movies to some recent movies too. Uh, that's a good place to start. I'm gonna do it one day when I have time. Sadly, there's no yeah. time. And we that's got why football. we're here to talk, we talk to Panthers. Talk Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24/7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Man, John, I don't know about you. Is there anything else you want to get into from today at the ranch? Any other Cowboys notes? Uh, full, you know, clean up everything from Cowboys Eagles before we fully move on and talk pamphlets? Um, I don't think there was anything that really jumped out. Today was a coordinator head coach day kind of, uh, you know, every year it's something different. Sometimes the coordinators will talk on Fridays. This year they're talking on Mondays after McCarthy, which I like because it gives me other things to write about earlier in the week. But you know, to be honest with you, when things are going well, there aren't a lot of, you know, major storylines because everyone's pretty happy. Things are heading in the right direction. So um, nothing that really jumped out from there other than, like I said, uh, you know, M- McCarthy's expl- explanation on the uh, why they didn't go for uh, or they didn't call the time out there right before halftime. Uh, you know, probably the biggest positive outside of the win coming out of that game is that, you know, they said last night that they didn't have any injuries of note. And then yeah. this, and then today uh, there was no injuries either. So uh, just some, you know, bruises, some, you know, small things, nothing to keep anybody out. So obviously, 
you still have to worry about COVID, uh, you know, the reserve list, because that can pop up anywhere. Um, but just a couple updates here. Uh, sounds like Neville Gallimore is still two or three weeks away from, from coming back, and probably the same for Kelvin Joseph, uh, the rookie corner who injured his groin. Uh, so, I mean, they're, they're headed in the right direction from what McCarthy said, but there's just there isn't anybody that's immediately on the way for help, you know, like the, the Dorrance Armstrongs, the, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, obviously, guys like that, like, they're probably gonna have to get by with what they, you know, did this past week, which that should be enough against against Carolina, you'd think, especially with Carolina not having JC Horn, not having Christian McCaffrey. So uh that was probably the biggest thing, you know, that they got out of that game without any major injuries because it just seems like the injury slash COVID thing has bit them pretty pretty bad in the last month. So Yeah, and I think one thing too, the the defensive line is a, a an area of, of, that I do want to talk about quickly. Because when Demarcus Lawrence went out, I remember just going, "Okay." And I think I, I even changed how I felt about how that Chargers game would go, just based on that. Because he was just so effective and has been for years playing the run as well. I Randy Gregory was pretty good last night, even though he didn't, you know, rack up a sack or anything. Obviously, we talked about uh, Odigizuwa on the on the post game podcast, but I'm glad you mentioned Neville Gallimore because when's the last time that we've talked about two young defensive tackles with as much upside as those two. I mean, Oso Digizuwa and a healthy Neville Gallimore are going to make us forget that Tristan Hill even exists. They still are um, counting on him to come back and, and contribute this year. I mean, just so people know, I know we don't talk about him very much, yeah. but I see him at every practice. He's working off with the athletic trainers. He's coming back from a torn ACL, which he suffered in the same game where Dak uh, broke his ankle. And so I don't know exactly when it'll be. It might not be until the second half of the season, but he's still out there every day, and they still are counting on him to play. What Real quick on the Osa Dugizua thing, uh, not only for him to play as well as he did in that game, but obviously Micah Parsons too, and it's just kind of interesting that he did it against the Eagles, who, you know, that's kind of was the package deal there. They got the Osa Dugizua pick from trading back so that the Eagles came yeah. up to get Devontae Smith. Cowboys move back at Micah Parsons with one with the one, and then in the third round they get Oso Digizua. So, uh, you know, if these things keep trending in that right direction, I mean, that's just such a positive sign for the defense in general that you watch that game and you're just like, man, it looks like they hit on Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs, Oso Digizua. I mean, everything I hear from behind the scenes, Chauncey Golston, they feel very similarly about. Uh, so, you know, some positive signs because for a long time here it was all we would talk about is the offense. Where's Jabril Cox? You know, that it's interesting because they like him in space, but I think there's some areas of his game he still needs to improve on, and I think that's why he ultimately fell to that fourth round and didn't go a little bit higher. I, Judging by the way Dan Quinn has been pretty, pretty you know, easy going on the whole, like, playing young guys, I, th- I think if a Leighton Vandrush or Jalen Smith aren't on this team, I think Jabril Cox plays a lot that last game. But it's like yeah. you have Leighton, you have Jalen, and they have a lot of experience, and they're healthy right now. So why wouldn't you play those guys? So if they didn't have either of those, I think Jabril Cox would have been out there. You know, I, I think with Parsons and Diggs, I think what we're seeing, I think we're seeing who they are. And obviously it may take a second-year thing for Diggs and – and all that. And Diggs was good for, for a good portion of last year. With Parsons, I think we're seeing who he is, though. Pretty much every game he's going to go make impactful plays. There might be a game or two. It's a good uh, offense. It makes him look bad a time or two. That, that'll happen. With Oso Digizua, I'm not sure that he's what you saw on Monday night. I'm not sure he's that 
every right. game. He's not. He's, I, I, he was very much in college. Uh, I was looking at my draft notes on him uh, earlier today, and it, he's he was very much a flasher. I mean, he was a guy who would show up every once in a while. And I mean, he wasn't playing. He's, he's a plays hard, but the, those big impact plays and tackles for losses and sacks were, were very kind of spread out all over, all over the place. So I, I, I just don't I, – I think you have a really solid player. And that's the thing about all these guys, as we talked about on the on the postgame podcast, just getting guys who are go get them, fly around dogs. And that's, that's what you got. And – I don't know if that's any different than than how you've tried to draft these guys in the past. I, I don't know. Tristan Hill had a reputation as a guy who played hard, even though people talked about him. Maybe there were narratives about him being lazy. But when it was time that he played hard at the time, Leighton Vanderesh has always been seen as a guy who played hard. You know, so I don't know if you like. I don't want to like put some narrative on these guys that they're like working harder than others. But there is something about a wave of guys who come up together all at once and then end up re-identifying what your defense is. And they kind of needed that. And maybe they thought it would be Jalen and Taco, you know, five years ago, four or five years ago. It's now these guys, and that's your identity, and you're seeing success right out the gate. So that's just just a quick thought. And one other thing, I don't know if we gave Terrence still enough love after our post-game podcast. We need to continue to do that. I mean, we saw what Chaz Green did to Zach. We know that things – and I'm trying to think when's the last time you had a, a, a swing tackle consistently, and it's not done. Terrence still's got a long way to go, but a swing tackle when Tyron Lyle get, got hurt, that it didn't kill you. Um, it kind of feels like, kind of feels like this is the first time in a long time. Yeah, it is. And I know maybe maybe Jeremy Parnell, maybe, maybe or was he starting? Well, he ended up yeah. he ended up playing more. That's why he ended up getting that yeah. deal from the Jaguars. Uh, but yeah, that's yeah. a that's a good one to go back to. Yeah. So okay, Panthers. What did you think about? Uh, real oh, quick here, what did you yeah. think about any of the? Did you see any of the comments Jerry made this morning on the radio? Oh, I didn't know. I missed that. All right, I'll just give you a quick Cliff's notes here. Uh, talking about Micah Parsons, he said that he's as pure as mother's milk. Uh, he just basically steps out there and gives you everything he's got. Nature gave him skills, and boy, does he know how to use them. I tweeted that, and uh, Micah responded by retweeting it with uh, several laughing emojis and said, I never heard this one before. So He's as pure as mother's milk. Is it weird that I knew exactly what Jerry was trying to say there? No, you you speak the language. You've been around I it guess. a long time. I guess. I've been around him enough. Or, but, yeah, I mean, it's amazing to me how you know how long we've been around jerry and how he still comes out with incredible things that we've never heard before yeah you know? no for sure <laughs> like uh, a, he must have so many in the in his rolodex that it's incredible you think we we'd hear the same three lines which we do we hear them a lot but he still pulls out like mother's milk on you you know uh that that's that's impressive but yeah i think he means he's a man of no inhibitions just pure-minded and um you know it's just like a little kid out there just having fun what you're seeing is what what you're getting, I think, too. I think that's what he's saying as well. And also, I'll say the Red Hot Chili Peppers album, Mother's Milk, is a pretty pure-sounding album. It was well-produced. <laughs> Dave uh, Navarro? Oh, is that the Dave Navarro one? No, that yeah. was one hot minute, I think. But go ahead. Oh, sorry. Speaking of Micah, though, real quick, uh, Dan Quinn was asked today about the whole idea of like, well, maybe just leave this guy at defensive end for like the rest of his career now. And it doesn't sound like Dan Quinn is ready to commit to that yet. Um no, yeah. you know this is a guy that said that 
Micah Parsons' superpower is his ability to run and hit, you know, and I don't know if they want to take that away from him. The other part of it is that, you know, in these games, even though we talk about Mike all the time, these last two games, you're talking 39, 37 snaps when you're playing D-end as opposed to, you know, 50-plus snaps if you're playing linebackers. So th- th- I can see both sides of how you weigh it. And to be honest, with you, I like the idea of every team not knowing from week to week where he's going to be at, you know. And and then even really liking the idea of as he continues to kind of evolve that maybe he plays a first half at, like, linebacker and then a second half at edge rusher. I mean, there's just, I don't know, there's a lot of different things they can do. I, I can tell, though, that they're not trying to put too much on his plate right now in terms of reps and things like that. They want him for the long haul. I mean, he is such a key part to this defense in that. But uh, I don't know, kind of wondering what you guys think of, of that. Would you Do you think it's better to leave him at linebacker or leave him at DN, or do you agree with me that I feel like he needs it's to better bulk just up. have both? He needs to bulk up if they're, they're trying to play him at DN more, you know. For sure, for sure, and, and, I, agree, and I agree with you on that. But if that's where their move was, I'm sure he could do that. Uh, it was interesting last night, though, how he was not pleased with some of the chips he got, which, I mean, that's just you watching Aaron Donald. Heck, just watch Zeke. The way, the way Zeke will come out of the backfield and put his uh, shoulder into some of these DNs uh, to chip them before he goes out, I mean, they take some shots. And I, I could, you know, in Micah's postgame press conference, you could tell he wasn't loving that idea of just getting that every single week. Uh, so I think in his mind, if he could pick, he would stay at linebacker. Um, but he's going to do whatever they ask of him. But yeah, what about you, KT? I'm keeping him at linebacker for the most part, but if we do need to buy time until DeMarcus Lawrence can get back, because it's just how important DeMarcus Lawrence was, I did allow myself to think ahead, and that's a terrible thing to do, but I started thinking ahead to next uh, late April and May and going, okay, well, however the roster shakes out, well, what do I need here? Well, I, I need a linebacker, and we're... Now, hopefully the Cowboys are picking 30th, right, or 32nd, and hopefully, you know, but but or they'll have a pick in the 20s or whatever. But it does give you a lot of roster flexibility if you can if you can just go, well, Micah Parsons can be this for us if we need – or he could be this linebacker. Personally, I'm keeping him at linebacker, and I'm using him off the edge as a changeup every now and then. Um, I think there's a lot that can happen to you off the edge. We saw him get hit in the ribs last night. And I was like, ah, it's going to happen. You're going to get in those weird things where your body's not really ready for where at linebacker, you can kind of see it coming a little bit. So that's, that. that's where I'm at. And, you know, but let's see how this goes. I mean, when you get to the bye week and he turns out that he's an explosive edge rusher and the production is really starting to show, it's going to be real hard to put him back, especially when you feel like you've got a lot of depth at linebacker. So, yeah. I know I didn't I know I just rode the fence there and didn't give you a good solid answer. Is I, I I truly don't know, and that's why Dan Quinn is here. Tell me. Yeah, no, and, and and just from what we've seen from the way they've used him and his ability to move him around, what we've seen from Trayvon Diggs, Osa, some of these guys, like and I'm fine with them just drafting whoever's the best player available. Like I yes. I mean, they'll find find a spot for him. It might be a, I mean, like you said, you know, I don't think they're going to be drafting 32nd, but let's say they're drafting in, in the back end of the 20s or something like that. Like, yeah, you might, you're not going to get the elite edge rusher or something like that, but take an edge rusher that falls to you there. You know, take a D tackle if there's a good one that's there. You know, take a, a, another corner, a, a safety, anything like that, you know? Well, and we know this team likes to roadmap the draft and all that stuff, but also and I don't know, they're not going to be terribly active in free agency because they're not going to have a ton of money to play with. 
But there does just give you a lot of roster options when you got a guy who you can kind of, you know. But to me, I don't like when one week this injury happens. Okay, you're going to play defensive end for me, and then that determines your next five years. Like I, I do like it kind of being a thing of hey, we're just trying to get through this thing, and maybe we get Demarcus Lawrence back, and that's where Randy Gregory playing big. And last night, to me, I mean, to me, Randy Gre- Randy Gregory, I still believe hasn't had a lot of bad games in his career. I know he hadn't played much, but he's always kind of getting close and things like that. And to me, that's very important because if Randy Gregory starts getting close and starts getting home a little bit, well, then you can afford to have Norwich Armstrong playing or, or you know, we talk about Bradley and I or whatever, you know. So, like, those are the things I kind of think about a lot is, like, how much is Randy Gregory going to step up and maybe not force you to play Micah Parsons at, at defensive end? Honestly, and it, it doesn't help your entire roster – well, it might, but when you're game planning each week, if the other team doesn't know where Micah Parsons is going to be, boy, doesn't that change what you're planning on offense too? If you're well, you Joe have Brady, to prepare, you have to prepare more. You just have to yeah. you have to work on things where he's at linebacker. You have to work on how you're going to defend it when he's at edge rusher. And so, you know, your offensive tackles, your all your offensive linemen are going to have to prepare for both. And yeah, that puts a lot more on your plate for sure. I, I liked what uh, Nate was. Oh, go ahead, Kent. No, go ahead. Well, I said, I like what Nate was saying about good offensive coordinators looking for marks, though. Like, they kind of pick out their guy. And in my head, clearly, I know it's a, a beaten down punchline at this point, but when Jalen's on the field, I'm like, yeah, that's what people are saying. Jalen's yeah. the guy. Well, if Jalen's not on the field all the time, who's the mark? Well, it might be Anthony Brown. Yeah. And maybe that interception helps you. Um, for a while, it felt like defensive tackle. Flip it around to the Panthers. The mark is whoever's going to be playing uh, in the secondary for them because that is a team who's beaten up. Obviously, J.C. Horn broke three bones in his foot. Doesn't look good there. They lost their safety, Burris. Um, And then, you know, at cornerback, like they just traded for C.J. Henderson. Um, And I don't know if he's going to start this week. I would be surprised if he's immediately thrown in. And he's a he's a starting player for them. AJ Bouye is obviously not what he used to be, not what he used to be. But it's another it's another week where we can look at Kellen and the offensive game plan and really see, like, pay attention to how he draws it up because this week the game plan is to throw it and get ahead. In my estimation, you know, Derek Brown pretty good up front. You're a tough guy to move right there. A bit of a problem. You know, they've got. Um, you know, Brian Burns, who's really good, and Hassan Reddick, guys who get after the passer if you put yourself in third and tens and things like that. So to me, you know, staying ahead of, of the chains, obviously we talk about all that stuff all the time, but to me, you can really have a lot of success winging the ball on these cornerbacks, especially with J.C. Hornhart. Then have Zeke take over. It feels like an easy mother's milk formula to, <laughs> uh, to beating the Panthers is to do it that way. But this is – make no mistake about it. They're 3-0. they got some dudes on defense that, like, need to be talked about and that could potentially slow down the offense. Yeah, I just think of the way that they're coming off of this Monday night game, the way that the Cowboys played against the Eagles, division rival, just the way everything went last night at AT&T Stadium. I feel like all the momentum is in the Cowboys' favor. And then on top of it, the fact that not having Christian McCaffrey, not having J.C. Horn, like – I understand Sam Darnold's played better than he has with the Jets, and and I understand that Sam Darnold has had a good game against the Cowboys when he was with the Jets, Uh, but I just feel like most people picking this game are going to be picking the Cowboys. Now, that might be a bad thing, but 
uh, you know, judging by this past game, uh, most people were picking the Cowboys to win that one, and they, you know, obviously played well. So it'll be interesting to see how they build off of this because, uh, you know, a lot of people want to talk about, like, oh, who's the better team or whatever. Just keep winning these games. Who, whoever you're playing against, it, yeah. it like, doesn't matter because you want to keep that momentum going. That was the key in 16, man. Like, when Dak got in there, everything just kept rolling, and that's the key. Like, it doesn't matter who you're playing against. Yeah, well, just, I think just, uh, you know, just looking at the schedule, KT, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, they, the Cowboys really do have a chance to go on a run here <laughs> when it comes to the opponents. And and you're looking at a November 21st date against the Chiefs as like the first super intimidating opponent. I mean, they're playing the Vikings and who, who knows about them? And the Broncos are still a question mark, but you've, you're playing the Falcons, you're playing the Giants, you're playing the Patriots. These are winnable games. Dallas should win these. They've got a real chance right here to uh to go on a run and that's you know it absolutely is and you keep going like to that like atlanta's appears like they might be one of the worst teams in the league too and you're going to get them in your first 10 games you know one thing i do want to throw out there because i think these are things i would say you're because i I don't think it's some clear like you know 10 point line or anything like that but i i'm definitely gonna pick the cowboys to win uh, I do want to do a callback to something, of course, and just a reminder of a couple things. One thing, the Panthers, even though they were got hurt and a lot of guys hurt, they do have the long week playing the Thursday night game. So they get 10 days while the Cowboys get six. Um, but the other thing is it is very difficult when you start talking about Sam Darnold and even I'll throw in Robbie Anderson without thinking about that terrible week five in 2019, I believe. Um, the deep ball when Robbie Anderson got past Cheeto and the game kind of changed in the game where it looked like you should have walked all over the Jets. And Sam Darnold made a lot of plays in that game, not only that deep ball, but with his feet as well. It's a whole different team, but I just, it's hard to hard wipe out those memories because he went from seeing ghosts to seeing no ghost at all against the Cowboys. To seeing, yeah, to seeing uh, DJ Moore. So yeah. that's nice. No, it's DJ Moore, yeah. And, uh, and also, uh, Cowboys think they're lucky stars. No Christian McCaffrey in this game, too. Like, it, it seems like things are... Chuba. Chuba Hubbard, though. Chuba Hubbard's been running yeah. hard. Yeah. The old, He's the not old Christian pokey. McCaffrey, though. I mean, no. Yeah. It's a whole different animal. Um, am I the only one that wants, that's going to mention, like, the Greg Zerline missed extra point from, from Monday night? Like that? No, I'm I mean, not going to say anything. I'm staying positive. No, I mean sorry, it's a reason like, for concern. Dude, I just don't. The guy, the guy makes two million dollars a year and can't can't hit it from thirty five on a on a regular basis. Like what? I, yeah, I, my, every, my t- problem- every time I he makes a somebody misses a kick, I get a tweet. I, I just want that to be my legacy. I love. Yeah, that. <laughs> but my problem with that or my answer to that is just okay. So you move on from him. Like there's no guarantee you're going to find anybody even as good as him that's a free agent right now. I mean it's just it's not that easy to find kickers. So, but you're you're absolutely right. I mean that's a concern. There, I mean, missing extra points is a concern, not to mention what, what he did in week one. Like, he obviously redeemed himself in the second week. But, I mean, so many of these games come down to field goals and extra points are, can be the difference. And, uh, yeah, there's you are you have every right to send that text like you did when he mix, missed it. I saw it uh, in the press box. I knew when my phone buzzed who, this, who it was coming from. Uh, but, yeah, I, there's definitely a reason for concern. I just don't know how much better you can be uh, with – whatever guy you'd put on the practice squad right now or whoever's, you know, kicking in their backyard hoping for a shot. That's kind of what I how I feel about the uh, the whole halftime thing, you know. These are division, these are NFC East division games. You know, like you've got to yeah. take every yard and inch you can get in these games and take advantage of it. 
and it's just to say, uh, oh yeah, we're good here. We're good with 13 points. Let's go. Yeah, we're fine. That to me, that that's the opposite approach you should have. Uh, you should, like you said, John, it does. It comes down to every inch in points. I'm used to so many 17, 14, uh, NFC East games. So it's well, just, you, yeah, scary. You hope it's, you hope it's a learned thing and they don't go there again. It's right? easy to say now, um, oh yeah, they won by 20. It's fine. Let's not, let's not harp on that, that mistake, but that mistake tends to really come to the forefront in NFC East games with how close the competition is and how, you know, one team can be on a five-game losing streak and the other team can be on a five-game winning streak, and it's still, you know, a, a battle. So that's just kind of how these go. All right, let's do our picks and get out of here. Yeah. Uh, start with you, John. Uh, I'm going to go with the Cowboys 28-20. Uh, to 20. Uh, I'm not going to completely sleep on the Panthers. I think they got some good momentum going just because of how well that they've played, albeit their competition. That's fine. And not having Christian McCaffrey and having J.C. Horn. But uh, it's a noon game. That AT&T Stadium will not be on the same level that it was Monday night. Uh, probably be a pretty late-arriving crowd. I don't know if it's going to have the same juice early on uh, for that noon noon kickoff. But uh, I think ultimately the Cowboys are just they're they're clicking right now. They're playing well. Uh, I, am going 28, 20, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Cowboys won by more than that. I'm going Cowboys 30, 20. Yeah. I'm going three field goals from Zerline. Ooh, I'm going right. 10 points spread as well. So I'll take Cowboys 10 Panthers zero. Ooh, that's interesting. Oh. And shutout from the defense. I like wow. that. Wow. That's pretty wild. I'll just, that's you know, just throw something up. That fits. Hey, that fits you a know, new if it was game. a four-point spread, I would have taken Cowboys four or nothing. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's just maybe it's a new bit I'm doing. We'll see. Well, keep on tracking us um, all throughout the week on the Athletic. John's got a bunch of stuff that'll be coming up this week, as usual, getting you ready for Cowboys and Panthers. And we will uh, talk to you on Sunday evening after the Cowboys and Panthers game at AT&T Stadium. For Father John Machado, for our special guest this week, Nate Tice. For our producer, Kent Garrison, I'm KT. We'll see you next time on About Them Cowboys. He's as pure as mother's milk. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.